Hello, and welcome to Healthcare on the Rocks, Employee Benefits with a Twist. I'm Jennifer Jones, Population Health Practice Leader at Springbok. And I'm Mike Pattengale, Senior Account Executive for Channel Sales. In this podcast, we talk with employers, benefits advisors, technology innovators, and other experts in areas like wellness, human resources, and healthcare. Jen, I'm personally excited about today's guest. He has his own podcast, and I'm a big fan of it, and uh, also Spencer in general. Me too. I, I'm not sure which thread to follow here because we may our listeners may know him as the man behind Stop Loss with Spencer. He obviously has his own podcast as well. Um, but in his day job, he is Senior Vice President of Sales at PlanSight, which is a comprehensive RFP platform that fosters collaboration between brokers and carriers to create an efficient dynamic, and transparent renewal experience. Spencer, we are so happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate that. It was a fantastic intro and admittedly much better than I typically do. I don't think I even do intros, so kudos to you guys. Well, that was great. They made me take out all the digs uh, out of there. So yeah, you probably had a laundry stuff. list of jokes that yeah, just twist I, in the knife, right? Yeah, like, that's what okay. I'm here for. We try but, to keep it clean no, here. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But well, Spencer, it's an honor to finally have you on the show. I know we've been talking about it for quite some time. Uh, as Jen alluded to before, many of our listeners likely know you from some of your LinkedIn videos and, and from Stop Loss with Spencer. But for those that aren't as familiar with PlanSight, uh, can you share a little bit more about what it is that y'all do? Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. Um, so my day job is uh, SVP of sales for PlanSight. We're an RFP technology. So our platform manages the RFP process that traditionally is done via email and Excel and transcribing from PDFs and you know all the labor and all the manual data entry that's accustomed people are accustomed to doing that. Our platform takes an RFP from literally start the creation to the distribution, negotiation, all the way through a pleasant presentation to your client as well as the election phase. So we're just taking a process that's existed for decades and actually applying technology to a space that's desperately needed it for that long. Let's talk about your stop loss whiteboard video, which I find extremely helpful. I've worked in the industry for a couple of years now, but in watching them, they are so easy to understand and, and good knowledge for anyone. But my question for you is, did you ever think it would take off like it did? And do you have any new episodes coming up uh, with any new topics? Well, so as you can imagine, I didn't go into creating a stop loss video with expectations that it was going to be popular. Um, I, I think the reason behind it was I hear people constantly talk about, oh, content creation, use social media, use LinkedIn. It's a free way to, to get attention and to draw prospects in. I'm like, cool. Well, this was like July of 2020 when pandemic was kind of full force. Everybody was shut down. Nobody's meeting. Nobody's doing anything. And I'm like, what do I do? How do I... How do I remain relevant, especially when I'm out there trying to, to call on people? So I just had this idea is like, well, nobody's doing stop loss. I know how to teach it. I love to teach it. I've whiteboarded in front of brokers live before. And I love that question and answer, almost like a teacher at a, at a whiteboard. Um, and so I was like, well, take that model and let's capture it so that it's permanent, right? There's an indelible record of that. And let's see what happens. So I just didn't know what I was doing the first time. Framing sucked, lighting sucked, literally the sound was bad, but I'm like, all right, just do Stop Loss 101. No idea why it caught fire, but it was multiple times like LinkedIn top percent, 1% trending, people were sharing it, and I'm like, what in the world just happened? Um, and so that, well, at least that initial lightning in a bottle gave me the impetus to go, all right, well, let's keep doing this. Maybe there's something here, and 
I think I did 25 videos in total and had a lot of fun, got a lot better. I, if I'd have done it all over again, I'd, the whole thing would have been better from a production value standpoint. But I think I got the point across, which is teaching stop loss, the basics of stop loss to a new audience and hopefully educating the next generation. But that was one of the things I loved about the, at least the initial videos is it wasn't high production. It was literally just you talking and just being transparent and, yeah. and out there uh, kind of vulnerable in front of people. And I think that was one of the things that people really liked is it wasn't a big show. It was just, yeah. you know, Hey, I'm going to go through some of these things. Hopefully it helps. And it, it seems to have really helped. Um, mm -hmm. I know when we hire initial sales reps, that's one of the first podcasts or videos that I tell people to, to watch. I say, well, if you I, can yeah. get through this, you can get through anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> this is your first test. Can you yeah. bear listening to this guy for yeah. a couple hours? Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, like, no no joke. I've had um, brokers say that they'll, they're new account managers. They'll literally have them watch my videos. I had somebody snap a picture of me on somebody else's screen, like they were making their account managers learn stop loss. So, like, that to me, like, is worth all the effort, all the time. Made zero dollars from it, obviously. Um, but it's fun to every once in a while, somebody out of the woodwork will say, Hey, I've watched your stop loss videos. I appreciate what you do. I'm like, that's great. Thank you so much for telling me that. Yeah. And, and so where can our listeners go to check out your videos or podcasts? So the, the stop loss videos we've been, been discussing are all on YouTube. Um, I think if you search stop loss insurance, so include insurance in the search in YouTube, I'm the first video that pops up. There's also a nice. playlist that's accessible. Um, if you don't add insurance, it takes you to stop loss for like stock trading, which is obviously something totally different. Uh, the podcast is also on YouTube under self-funded with Spencer and then uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts, all the, the normal platforms for audio as well. Got it. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure we could probably put that somewhere on this, but I didn't want to throw David under the bus and, and give him any more work. So thanks for sharing that. You bet. You bet. I'm just curious, one more question on this, because I'm such a fangirl. Oh, you, you had a follow-up, and I apologize. Uh, the second question, before I forget, was I don't have any plans to produce more, oh. because oh. I've exhausted what I know about it, and I think <laughs> I would just be repeating myself if I, I... It's like three hours total. Like, that's a lot that's of stop impressive. loss. I don't know anything else. I, I'm sorry, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do you collaborate with uh, Dr. Eric Bricker? Uh, I would love to formally, he has been a guest on my podcast and, um, he, I don't want to reveal, but I think there's something cool that we're, we got coming up here, uh, That's podcast exciting. related that he'll be involved in, but he lives 10 minutes away from me. And I would love eventually if we found something to do, although he's got his, like, he is a master at the whiteboard and he's an animal in terms of frequency and consistency and the depth of knowledge. So I've kind of like said, that's your space. You, you dominate that space. And I don't, I don't want to try to even attempt to replicate what he's doing. So if we did anything else, it would be something that was totally different than either one of us have done before, I would presume. But I'd love to, if he's listening, I'd love to. <laughs> Maybe we'll have him on one day. There you go. Yeah, oh, he, he would definitely, definitely want to be a guest here. In many of your other interviews and podcasts, I know you've talked about confidence in general. Um, what advice would you give to people struggling to find confidence in their role um, or, or with the company that they're working with to really be able to find the niche as far as with what they're doing? That is a really good question. Um, thank you for asking that. I, I, um, I struggled with confidence quite a bit 
uh, when I was young. I, I don't know if I, you know, I, I was a soccer player my whole life, played through college. And I, I struggled with these fluctuations in confidence that really impacted my performance. And 20 years removed now, I'm looking back and going like, that was really the only thing that was holding me back was a lack of self-belief at times. So the thing that I would, I would stress to young people going through it is one, it takes time. You, as you get older, you become more assured of yourself and become more confident in who you are. That's just, nothing can replace just age uh, for that uh, uh, you know, element of wisdom. But I think two, just kind of finding who you are, like the things you like and doing that and not being scared to do that. Like I've shared, you know, I love heavy metal. That's a weird thing to a lot of people. I love heavy metal. I was worried that people would think that's weird when some people probably do, but then I also found like there's a lot of people that love it too. And so when you have the confidence to be willing to share something kind of personal, but of an interest of yours, you'll find that once you do it, it's really not that scary. And really it's probably beneficial to, to share those type of things about you. So just kind of knowing who you are and being on, um, you know, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, expressing that, then that's that I would strongly advise people just to go for it. I went for it and I was really uncomfortable the first few videos. I could tell you that I was really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. To add to that, the being comfortable, being uncomfortable. If I remember correctly, last time we were together, Spencer, didn't you used to do stand up comedy? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to have to keep that in mind. I'm, this guy's got so many tricks up his sleeve. It's well, uh, so a comment about that. That was, is really hard to do. One, people that do that, I have immense amount of respect. I did it for about five years, never got that great at it, but I was on stage frequently eating, you know, you know what, sometimes just bombing on stage and it's just brutal to your soul. Um, but I felt like, oh, if you could do that, well, there's a lot of people think that's one of the scariest things in the world to do. So if you could do that, the rest of the stuff, as long as it's not like actually physically putting you in danger, all that stuff pales in comparison to being vulnerable on stage in front of 200 strangers and sucking. Uh, so like that, that was, <laughs> that was a good training ground for things like this, as you can imagine. Oh my yeah. gosh. I can't, I don't want to imagine that. Yeah. Where can we find the YouTube videos of, of those you can't. performances? You can't because my, some of my material I decided was probably best to keep under wraps just simply because, you know, I have a life out, a professional life outside of it. And, you know, you explore things sometimes that like in uh, context or out of context, maybe wouldn't be received that well. I don't know, just probably airing way too much on the side of caution, but I've decided just to keep those all hidden. Yeah. I'll share one maybe with you, Mike, and I'll give you an NDA to sign. Um, yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll post it on the podcast. Then you post it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the podcast, just post post that. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of posting, you often post interesting questions on LinkedIn. Uh, we saw one as we were prepping for this that really caught our eye. And okay. it was, uh, are you a runner or a chaser? Oh, Can yeah. you elaborate a little bit more on that? I, I would love to, man. That was actually, and I, I gave... Um, as much kudos to the person that actually asked me that question as I could, but he's in the military and I just wanted to obviously, you know, protect his identity. But he, um, he and I have really deep conversations about life. And I think conversations that people can only have that have had the perspective of him being at war and being stationed overseas and things like that. He's probably the most philosophical mind I know. And he's also a warrior on the same side of that. Um, so, he just posed that question to me one day. He's like, I think they, they, in the military, they talk about chasing, you know, running away from things and chasing, like it's just part of their lexicon of, you know, training and things like that. But he posed that question to me 
And I, I is what, have you ever had Mike somebody say something and it's just like a couple hours later you still find yourself thinking about it and you're like my goodness like that was a lot more profound than I initially even uh, thought. So really his his question was are you a runner or you're a chaser? Are you running away from something? Are you chasing a dream? Is there a spectrum of that where you're you know doing this both simultaneously depending on the day? Uh, but I like the idea of if you frame it, why am I doing something? What, why am I going after this goal? Am I really just avoiding being uncomfortable? Am I avoiding doing my actual work? Or am I trying to find, achieve something that really I'm passionate about and I, I genuinely want to achieve for achievement's sake? So just that question of runner or chaser just helps frame your perspective of why you're doing things and hopefully puts you in a good spot to your, your reasons and your motivations why you do what you do. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's great context because I, I think, you know, the, the questions you pose are so interesting too. just one quote that has stuck with me over the past few weeks that I heard was you don't have to be abrasive to be persuasive. Um, and I think everyone is just fighting for time and attention that it's almost like how big and loud can I be sure. um, in order to garner that attention. So I tend to be much more of the mild manner person myself, so I can appreciate <laughs> the more, uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys did your homework. Like, thank you for that. Like, it's actually the questions you're asking are relevant and timely and uh, you paid attention. So like, that's really cool. It means a lot that you actually went to that extent to uh, to do this interview. But I, I agree with your, your point about being persuasive without being abrasive. I always hated when I felt I was being sold something or knew mm -hmm. somebody was selling me something aggressively. And even before I got into sales, that's what I thought sales was, was just coercing somebody to buying your product. And so I never took, brought that approach with me and I kind of took my own spin on it. And I think it's definitely positioned to just be myself, to have a conversation, hopefully identify your problems. And if my solution works, like I would love to talk to you about it, but I don't beat people over the head. Because I think if you get to a sale that way, that's always going to be on a tenuous ground. And it's very likely once they come to the realization they didn't want it, they're going to pull the plug. Um, so I don't want that to happen either. No, I love that. Yeah, and I think... Um, I'm trying to remember back when we first met. So for our listeners that might not be as familiar, um, you know, maybe the younger audience out there, Spencer and I are a part of a thing called the SIA Future Leaders Program. Yeah. So it's a track for uh, anyone in the industry under the age of 40 that is really trying to put roots down and just kind of network so that hopefully one day we'll be in, you know, positions of power and, and we have these relationships that we've built, you know, over the last 10 15 years. And I think one of the things that really stuck out is the fact that you weren't loud, you were pretty quiet and, you know, just a humble guy. And I think in a lot of places where you get a ton of younger sales reps that might've just gotten a promotion, I think everyone wants to talk about it. Um, yeah. so no, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate it. Yeah. It. Like I, I think you, you're touching on Mike, there's a fine line between that, like boisterousness or arrogance and confidence. And I think the ones that are loud sometimes are always the center of attention, likely are doing that intentionally, or that's a, I don't know if you want to call it a facade, but that's a curated way to conduct themselves because they feel like they need to do that or they need to show people up. And I've always taken approach to be more subdued. And I think that allows you to be more authentic and real too, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to pretend or you don't have to fake things to to actually um, do your job. So anyways, you know, I could be wrong too. I could be, my perspective could be completely incorrect as well. Nah, I doubt it. Um, 
So I feel like I've been firing away a ton of questions over here on my end. Uh, I will wrap up my portion of the question asking with a really important one. Okay. So as you mentioned before, uh, you played soccer in college. Yep. Um, and now you are a coach of your daughter's team. First part of the question, what is her team name again? I forget. I know you posted. So that. it's very important. There's a, a qualifier. They're not just the mermaids they're the green mermaids because our league already had a mermaids. So mm. we had to be the green mermaids. So <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, next episode, you have to wear, uh, the Jersey or the shirt on it. Well, I have a shirt that says mermaids and coach Spencer. And I actually had a broker that used to be a coach, uh, Tell me that was like literally mistake number one as a young new coach is you don't need Coach Spencer on the back of your jersey because the guy that's running around, you know, coordinating everything, everybody knows that's the coach. You don't have to have your name on the back. But, uh, you know, rookie mistake, right? Yeah. No, that's I didn't even think about that. Um, well, I was going to ask what lessons have you learned, if any, you know, on or off the field that you've been able to apply into your personal life. So I guess outside of the the naming uh, mm -hmm. on the back of your shirt, uh, you know, what lessons do you think have really stuck out to you uh, while coaching uh, or even playing soccer that you've really put into practice uh, within your professional life? Well, so I'll answer that in two parts because I think there's two, two relevant parts. One, in practice, in actual doing the, the game, becoming good at the game, um, the level of effort that I put into it, there was a strong correlation with the outcome. I talked about confidence and suffering through some crisis of confidence sometimes, but there was a, an a absolute um, uptick in performance and ability when my effort uh, increased as well. So, you know, that's a very basic thing, but I, I literally lived it. So I can tell you the more effort you put in to something, the more you focus on something, the better you're going to get at it, no doubt. Um, from coaching, I think honestly, it's just brought me back to the game, which is kind of fun. Like I reluctantly volunteered at first and I'm like, yeah, I'll do the coaching because nobody else will. Yeah, I played soccer. It'll be fine. But like the third practice in, I'm like, this is fun. I can't wait. I'm like literally putting notes together of what the practice I want to run. And I'm looking at the lineup of who I should put together. And, you know, at four, they want to have fun. Um, and I, I, the only thing I want them to do is have fun. Well, if I can instill a couple good habits, a couple good traits, you know, that will carry through as they develop, like I'm, all I'm doing is giving, but I'm actually, I feel like I'm getting uh, as much out of it as I'm giving because I enjoy it. And I get to relate to my daughter in that way as well, which is fun. And I think at that age too, just knowing that they want to continue in the sport and play again the next year or the next season, that's always a big win too. But yeah. Yeah, if she quits, then uh, I don't get coach anymore. Blame so I got, I got, yeah. I got. It's weird if I still want to coach, but my daughter's not playing anymore for four year olds. Like that, that's probably not going to fly. Um, all right, we got one last question for you. Okay. And we always ask our guests, uh, you know, our, our title here: employee benefits with a twist. What is the biggest twist you've seen in employee benefits during your career? So the biggest twist I've seen in this, uh, man, this is going to sound like so biased, but the last year and a half has been extraordinarily good for us in the technology space with everything else that's going on. And I know people have struggled. I know that the world was turned upside down for a long period of time. But the biggest twist is we panicked at the beginning of COVID because we we're like, we lost our only client at that time. We were trying to build uh, you know, build out a brand, build out a company, build technology in real time. And we're literally like, oh my God, what do we do? But we saw that as everybody moved to virtual and people were still trying to bring their teams together and actually try to figure out how to collaborate 
in real time and stuff like that, we saw like the demand for what we were doing increased. So like we were one, I mean, many people benefited from uh, COVID, I think being positioned well for the future. And the biggest twist for us was like, this actually was a good thing. I had nothing to do with COVID, didn't, didn't start it. Uh, <laughs> but um, it actually has been extraordinarily good for our business. And uh, you know, we hope that continues, but that was, that was crazy because we thought we were in trouble. And turns out actually it was one of the best things that happened for us. I think it's okay to find positives in such a mm-hmm. time that was negative uh, for so long. Um, but no, I appreciate all your uh, responses here. I, I think what I love about this episode is it's not so much uh, healthcare heavy or focused. So I think yeah. for a lot of our listeners, I know my mom's out there listening to all of these. Uh, you know, it's, it's how'd just you get nice. your mom to listen? My, I don't think my mom's ever listened to one of mine. I don't know. We saw a comment. And we were like, "Wow, that was so heartfelt." And I was like, "Dang it!" I think that was my mom. That wrote it based, based does she have a pseudonym or something? Like, yeah. does she like have a fake name for YouTube or what? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was her Instagram handle. But, okay. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, mom. Um, But no, it's just nice, you know, that, um, you know, I think a lot of what you've learned just in whether it's leadership, whether it's having confidence in, um, you know, your trait, whatever it may be, I think there are a lot of things that aren't just uh, focused towards Mm -hmm. the healthcare industry in this episode. So uh, really appreciate you coming on today, Spencer. Um, You know, I'll I'll be sure to to hit you up next time I'm in Texas and and hopefully we see each other uh, in Arizona in February. Sounds great. Well, Mike and Jen, thank you. And David as well. Thank you very much for, for inviting me on. And your questions were fantastic. So if I can give you compliments, I definitely want to give you those. That was all Jen. As much as I like <laughs> to take the, the credit, uh, I'll, I'll pass that to her. Yeah. But. Well, Jen, thank you. Thank you and only you for, yeah. for all of you. <laughs> yeah, it's only me. No, it was, yeah. it was an absolute pleasure. We appreciate you joining us today. Well, that's it for today's episode of Healthcare on the Rocks, Employee Benefits with a Twist. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate us or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. That really does help other people find the show and lets us know what you like. And remember to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. To find previous episodes, visit our new website at springbuck.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, Spencer, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.